Hey everyone, and welcome back to Any Crack with me, Shannon Callahan. Surprise! I am back with the last bit of juice left in me for 2021 to bring you a bit of content and to test a new series I want to work into season two. Uh, The working title is called Shan Uses Her Degree. In case I haven't mentioned it on previous episodes or more likely if I've forgotten I've mentioned it like a million times, I have an academic and sometimes professional background in art history and public history and cultural heritage. And a lot of people think that I have useless degrees. But today, with the help of some other history buffs, I am going to use my degree to talk about an upcoming event, the Winter Solstice. And more specifically, I want to talk about Newgrange, a site that's older than Stonehenge that has a really rich history and gives us great insight into how people used to live. To do this, I have enlisted the help of Ashling and Kara. So we're going to talk about like how Newgrange came to be, how it relates to the winter solstice, early Irish culture and life and that kind of stuff. So you're going to learn a little bit today. But we're also going to have a few laughs because that's just how it goes. Very casual, laid back. There's no test at the end. So let's get into it. Thanks so much for coming on, girls. It's good to see you again virtually. Um, I'm really excited to nerd out for this one. Um, Ashling and Kara, I think I will let you introduce yourselves if that's okay. So just a bit about yourself, why I might have asked you to come on. Um, I do normally ask the guests to say what their favorite thing about me is, but that's not mandatory. I just am like, I'm messing about. But if you want to tell me why you like me, that that's absolutely acceptable. Um, but I am trying to be more professional, so we'll see. But whoever wants to go first, quick intros, and then we'll get going. Kara, if you want to go first. Cool. Um, so my name is Kara Meomani. I am an archaeologist and a historian. Uh, I currently work at a museum. Um, and my favorite thing about Shannon is she has loads of Hershey's chocolate. She also went through a My Chemical Romance phase, so we can yes. bond over that. And she has a really awesome coat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So my name is Ashling Dunn and my background is practice-based art and art history and I also work in a museum and a gallery as well and I suppose my favourite thing about Shannon as well is similar to Cara's she used to always bring us loads of Percy chocolate in, in work which is great, very much appreciative of that. Yeah, I'll be bringing some home or back here with me soon. Um, my suitcase is literally just TSA agents are going to be like, what is this girl about? Because it's going to be like Kraft mac and cheese and Hershey's chocolate and that's it. Kraft mac and cheese is amazing. Yeah, actually. the sponge Don't get that over here. Yeah. yeah, so good. Just to set the scene, um, when I was in my second year of college, I took an intro to Western art survey class, which was mandatory for my art history degree. And the professor, (laughs) when she was introducing Newgrange, and she was like, she was like, it's amazing. It's like the coolest site. She's like, look at it. Like it tells us so much, blah, blah, blah. We had like just covered cave drawings or whatever. And like now we were moving on. And so she's talking about it in like 
all of a sudden she like goes up to the whiteboard where she had been writing about it and she's just like oh it's so good and she starts making like orgasm noises and I was like what is going on I was like what is happening why is this site so like intensely like <laughs> she's so emotive about it but um yeah that was how I was introduced to Newgrange was with like orgasmic like excitement and um just as a side note I did make this professor my uh advisor for my thesis so like we got on great um and she's brilliant but yeah so that's how I was introduced was like this is a really important site and we're talking about western like art history understanding like because the drawings on it and things like that no pressure for you guys to bring the same level of excitement but I figure the first thing that we can chat about is like where is it what is it like what like for, well I suppose first what is the winter solstice it's the shortest day of the year it's December 21st it's the seasons re resetting and though I know Irish people's uh beliefs about how seasons work is a bit different than the rest of the world it does technically mark the start of winter but yeah so let's talk about what is it why is it important why would I want to mention it so I suppose it's um it's a neolithic uh, kind of burial monument um, and it dates to about 5,000 years ago. I think it was radi radiocarbon dated during excavations to uh, I think it's uh, 3,316 BC or something like that. Um, so yeah and it's part of like what's called like a necropolis which is like a series of like tombs and stuff in a certain area where like uh, yeah that was that like yeah just important sites in one area so like within Newgrange like Newgrange is like the central site but there's like two others so there's Nouth and Douth close by and they have like their own like little satellite mini kind of mounds and monuments uh, around it as well but um, it's like so like there's like four main monuments from the Neolithic period in Ireland that you kind of find around the landscape. So there's the passage tombs, which Newgrange is. And basically what that is or what it usually is, is like a kind of a long passage of kind of upright stones that lead to like a corbel chamber mostly. Um, and by corbels, like I'm going to be using like archaeology terms, but like yeah. to kind of simplify it, it's like the technique of corbelling is like layering stones and like twisting them in a certain way, like up into a into like a, a, a central dome kind of. Um, so and then that's usually covered by like a mound of stones and dirt. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like the typology of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think, what my professor got really excited about was the corbelled roof. And it's yeah. like yeah she was like this is amazing it's so cool this is a great example of it blah 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 and like it's watertight so like completely yeah. yeah so yeah. the site's really well preserved I think is part of why it gets a lot of attention and it's big yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's like the most preserved out of the the three main ones Nouth Out and Newgrange so I think Nouth had like a lot of later interference with it like historical interference um and then Douth I think actually got destroyed during like a botched excavation like earlier on so like it's definitely the most preserved one of them which I think probably is why it's the most well known I remember actually when so I'm I'm a quintessential like art nerd. So when I went into secondary school or, or I suppose high school for your American listeners, <laughs> I did art from the first year until my final year. So leaving search. And I remember it was the first thing we learned in art history was all about Newgrange. Yeah. And similar to what Cara said as well, it's 
my art teacher and what you said too, Shannon, like this obsession with, with Newgrange. And uh, I remember learning about it. I was only like 13 at the time. And I was like, why, why are you just like so obsessed with this giant mound in the earth? I just didn't get it at the time. And it wasn't until I got older and I visited myself and I kind of realized, oh, wow, this is actually really, really impressive. And like Kara said, it's super, super old. Like it's and people, a lot of people don't know that either. That's actually older than Stonehenge and the Pyramids of Giza as well, which yeah. is just mind-blowing like and yeah. the craftsmanship and the time that went into actually making um Newgrange itself as well it's, it's just it really is like mind-blowing like you were saying Shannon like the fact that it's it's essentially airtight yeah. and waterproof and everything like that it's it really is it just blows my mind um in terms of like the construction and everything that that kind of went behind it at the time as well and its purpose and its link to or what we believe its purpose is it's linked to the winter solstice what kind of draws people to it is that during the winter solstice there's a little window cut out and they've managed to as similar sites like when you look at you know Stonehenge and like pyramids and stuff like that how they're arranged it is such that that little window box when the light when the sun comes up it hits and and the sun goes through the whole thing and I only seen a video of it like you have to get so for people who've you can visit Newgrange it is a tour site you can get private tours um but you also can enter a raffle to like actually be in the site for the winter solstice um so it's like really hard to get into so obviously I wouldn't have gone into it but like I seen the video and it's just like you get goosebumps it's one of those sites that gives you goosebumps when you think about the people who are alive at that time building it like why why were they tracking the sun but also how impressive it is that they learned it and the math is so exact that like that little roof so long as like you know the sun's streaming through cloudy days aren't quite as glamorous for the solstice but like it goes through and so kind of yeah that like that's what is so impressive to me is like the accuracy of that and like I wouldn't be able to do that (laughs) Yeah, like I actually read in one um, book that like back 5,000 years ago, like, you know, the way like there are like shifts from like back then to to now, but like back like 5,000 years ago that they think that the sunlight actually completely illuminated like um, a circular triskel that was in the back of the caverns as well, which is really cool. So it even kind of might have pinpointed that. But with like Nouth and Douth too, like they both have chambers and I think they they align to different things as well or they they reckon that they align to different things. So I think with Douth, Douth has two Western chambers and I think there's something to do with like the sun setting on the autumn and spring maybe mm. or the summer and, and autumn and then on Nouth there's two like on the east and west and they like would illuminate at different times in the year as well but there's definitely like that would definitely indicate that there was like a like a cult of sun worship around the Neolithic period like just mm. for anyone that doesn't know as well because we keep saying Neolithic like Neolithic would be the period where first farmers would have like appeared and like first farmers would have come to Ireland so like there would have been like major changes on the landscape when this happened so like Ireland would have been like full of like trees originally um, and loads of like large areas of like 
of tree land and forest land would have been cleared to make way for farming like it's a new different type of lifestyle so like people don't have to hunt and gather for food anymore they kind of tend to settle in one area um, and things like that so like that's kind of what we what we mean when we say neolithic and then the bronze age comes after that and that's when you get like metallurgy and stuff like that um, and like evidence of like yeah metals and stuff um, and then like a new culture of people would have bought that in so you kind of see religious changing again and the religious customs changing into the bronze age yeah and so maybe ashling if you wanted to chat a little bit about the art that's in it because i think that's another level that's added to kind of the mystery so like the sun worshiping is like what we're thinking with what the the passage does on the solstice Mm -hmm. but then there's more of an indication that there probably was some type of religion or some type of worshipping going on based on the art that's on it yeah I mean definitely in terms of kind of the art uh, side of things and kind of the mythology I suppose around it as well plays a huge part in it and when when it was originally kind of um excavated at different points in time you had different individuals that came in to kind of write up their own interpretation on what they thought was happening there or what it represented at the time as well and there's very like it there's varying different kind of um I suppose interpretations over the years but I suppose the main kind of two that kind of come to mind are from various different excavations and you have art history individuals coming in to read archaeology is coming in archaeologists coming in to read it as well but there's a huge kind of mythological aspect of it that it's some sort of kind of link or portal to the kind of other world so almost a celebration of death in one respect as well and that idea of kind of I suppose, reaching the other world. So particularly when you look back in Irish mythology and there's a huge mention of this kind of uh, Tuha de Danon, which is like basically like um, this kind of group, essentially that um, Irish mythological kind of race or group of people that are associated with passage tombs in particular and associated with the other world as well. So when they read back in that Irish kind of folk, folklore as well, there's people just believe that there's a link maybe that that acted as some sort of a portal. Other people believe that it was based off the idea of kind of like an astronomical calendar for, for lack of a better term, I suppose, as well. It was a way for, like what Cara mentioned, uh, during the Neolithic period, they were farmers, essentially. So it was a way for them to kind of track the time and for the shortest day of the year, for winter solstice and obviously how that would affect going into kind of springtime and things like that as well but i think it's interesting to look at the mythological aspect of it as well particularly when you look into all of the kind of engravings um that are on uh, numerous um parts of newbridge particularly like the very front stone at the very front of the entrance where the kind of roof uh, boxes as well you'll have a lot of uh triscal uh kind of spirals sort of three spirals put together they're probably the most prominent ones. You have things like um, lozenges and chevron designs carved into the stone as well. Really, really beautiful decorative pieces. And what they found unusual as well, and at the very, very back, and Kara mentioned it too, was that the light would hit off the very, very back of the passage stream on this really ornate, beautifully done um, carved stone at the very, very back again with these kind of triscal designs. And that was quite unusual because it wasn't just decorative for the outside, but it was also within the inside of it as well. And it's just some sort of kind of otherworldly um, kind of aspect, I suppose, to that as well. Um, 
with this kind of illumination around winter solstice. And I suppose just the construction of it. So even they would have t- taken stones from the Boyne, but they also took a lot of um, kind of material from the Wicklow Mountains as well and brought that down to kind of uh, build it up too. So again, there's kind of more kind of discussion around what that represents. It's an unusual place in that respect um, to even visit. Part of when you go to visit um, Newgrange now, you're brought on a tour. And you're with about, I think there's about 20 people maybe in total on your on your tour group as well. So you meet in uh, Brunvoin Visitor Centre, which is kind of separate from Newgrange itself, and you're brought down the bus. And everyone is actually brought in. You you do go into Newgrange, into the centre of it, into the uh, passage tomb as well. And they kind of simulate the idea of what it would look like with lights on the inside of this kind of the sun coming in. And it's 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 really, it's really, really strange experience because you're in this pitch black passage tomb. And suddenly this kind of artificial light um, starts to come in. But one detail I really enjoyed about it, um, separate from all of the Triscals and all the Neolithic art, was the fact that naturally through through the centuries, it, was, it wasn't a protected site like it is now. So anyone could walk in under a free will and do whatever they want. So there's all like like graffiti and people signing their names from like the 1800s, which I thought was really interesting when you walk into this Neolithic tomb and it has all this other kind of material in there too. I always found that really interesting in terms of all the markings that you just, people did that on such a significant, um, I suppose, area as well. It just kind of blows my mind. Yeah, it's so funny as well. I remember like when I was in there, there was one from like the 1740s and it was like, Richard Kenneth III was here in the 1740s like it's just so funny how people still like want to sign their name on things and like leave their mark you know yeah. so yeah I like I thought that was funny as well but yeah like the the triscals and like all the circles and the like there's there's also like like arrow motifs as well like there's loads of different types but there was one book that I read it's called the sea cave tombs by Martha Doyle and like her interpretation of like all the art there was that it was like um like connected to like bioluminescence possibly that like if you think that going out on like a ship back when you were like a neolithic farmer and seeing like bioluminescent like wildlife and stuff would have been like a crazy like experience for you and would have been something quite spiritual so like her interpretation of it which i thought was quite interesting was 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 that um but i've also heard other interpretations how like some of the circles and shapes could have been formed after like taking like hallucinogens and stuff and like getting into like a trance but there's there was another thing as well that was kind of like because some of the inscriptions and like the the stones are like hidden and you can't really see them that there might have been like something to do with the act like there might have been importance behind like the act alone of inscribing something could have been a spiritual thing because some of them and a lot of them wouldn't have been made to be seen um or else it could have been made to be seen by like a deity or something so yeah just really really interesting really really cool and do you guys know anything about there's there were people buried in there do we know who they are so the passage team there's loads of different passage teams like across ireland and there's loads of different like necropolises as well like brune boyne where newgrange and Outh and Douth are situated would have been one and then there's like carol keel and not crew and stuff so there has been like work done on like what kind of people were buried there and stuff but there's like a complete mix between like adults and um and children um so like we we don't know who specifically is buried there but what would have like occurred would be they would have been cremated and their cremated remains would have been placed in the tombs 
and there would have been like grave goods gone in with them as well. So, but like not, well, there like there is like an ornate mace head that was found in Nouth, but like the majority of the time it's like stone beads and, and pendants and stuff for clothes would have been found in there. I think in Parochial and Nouth, there was like evidence of animal bone, like burnt animal bone, like around the site. So they think that had something to do with like funeral feasts while people were being buried. So there was like like a kind of like a, a feast going on while this was happening. And then in Fort Knox, County Meath, um, there was actually evidence to show that bodies might have been collected in one place or stored elsewhere and then cremated all together and then put into the passage tomb all at once which is quite interesting as well and it just really suggests that there was like really ritualized funerary practices happening both inside and outside the tombs um and there was evidence as well to show that like like bodies were kind of left exposed um in the fourth Knox County Meath and then bought in so just yeah just kind of like a wide range but it's mostly cremated cremated burials uh, associated with them if there's any kind of like full burials found they're usually later bronze age burials and you find that a lot where like like later bronze age time like people would have kind of like had a, a later association with the older neolithic monuments and might have reburied in there but um in general like burials from the neolithic time would have been cremated it, it was i suppose it was more significant from the fact that with the kind of symbolism and the actual way it was constructed. Like if you kind of go back to the megalithic art aspect of it as well, you had all of these like curved stones that went out kind of the edge of the main mound itself as well. And it's even said to this day that it's one of the particular, I think it's a front curb stone. I can't remember the the number of it. It's probably one of the more significant and megalithic uh, style artworks that they, that they found really all over the world and how detailed oriented it is and the amount of time and skill and effort that would have gone into actually creating all these very heavily detailed um, markings in the stone. Because even when you look at them now, to me anyway, they nearly look like they're freshly done. It's it's just, it's yeah. insane. Like the kind of the skill that went into actually doing all those engravings and, and things like that as well. So to, I suppose from for me and my perspective, looking at it from a more art history focused piece, it's almost like a, just an artwork in itself to me. And mm. um, beyond it just being a burial site of some variety um, as well, there's just, there's just so much to it as well. Um, I don't know whether it's it's something I feel though about it as well. It's like, it obviously it's a UNESCO site now, it's a protected site. Yeah. But I do find it a bit jarring now when, when you visit the site that it is quite touristy. Mm. Um, I don't know, Cara, how you feel about that? It kind of... <laughs> Yeah, like I, I I get that as well. There's a lot of speculation with the actual like conservation that went on there too, like that. So like the outside of the monument uh, of the, the big mound um, is covered in white quartz. And that quartz, like Ashing said, is from Wicklow. It would have been bought, but like there's like a huge thing. There's a lot of white quartz associated with a lot of like megalithic monuments. And they think that that is also a link to like the worship of a sun god. But um, they like interpreted the white quartz. So the, the white quartz was found scattered all over the front of Newgrange. And they interpreted that it must have been like a wall that surrounded it. But a lot of people are kind of saying that it's actually supposed to be spread out like around like on the ground in front of it and stuff so like there is speculation with how it would have looked 
um, in the past, whether like the white quartz was faced up in the wall or down. Um, there are a lot of other like sites around Ireland that you can go and like there there is it's not as touristy, it's not as built up. Like Loch Crew, for example, is like you can like literally like walk up to it and stuff and it's it's not as as like it's more kind of like you stumble across them on the landscape and I know there is like a certain draw to like things like that like even down in Cork where I'm from Balarney Castle is like such a big attraction um, and so many people like talk about it and it like draws a lot of people in and it's really touristy but like there's loads of other castles from that era in farmers fields that like the public would have right away to go and see that people don't really know about. Um, so yeah, like there, there is a big difference like between like what's kind of presented to the public and how it's presented to the public and things that you kind of stumble across more ornately. I suppose it depends on like, on like if you're like a visitor to Ireland and you're like on a tour and you want to get all the information about a certain period, then there's definitely a huge like like definitely go see Newgrange it's amazing anyone should go see Newgrange if you're from Ireland at least once even to get the background history but like there is just so many others yeah I suppose that's kind of that's a good question Ashling about like the site being turned into like quite a tourist and like you have to have a private tour to go into it that kind of thing um versus then the people who back in the 1740s were like rocking up signing their name to it i believe they like there's they think people probably robbed it that there's stuff that would have been in there that is missing because like you were saying with like the ritualistic rituals around uh burials and stuff like that that there probably would have been things in there that we just don't know what they are because they're gone So it's like on the one hand, it obviously stops that kind of stuff from happening that we can continue to learn from the site because it is being protected and watched and all of that. But then the story that you're getting is quite manufactured and then the ways in which they're choosing to preserve it or even just adding the lights into it to give it kind of more of a a show that like, oh, this is kind of the effect that you would get. That's like the the trade-off, I suppose. Of doing it that way I think it's a touristy aspect of it kind of takes away a little bit from from that kind of special really unique aspect of it if that makes sense as well so I suppose for me when I went to visit it you know a site I always wanted to visit um but I think it comes with the territory of highly protected site that's now been turned into kind of this tourist aspect that yes, you have this highly protected site and it'll always be looked after and it'll always be maintained, which is amazing, but you don't get that kind of one-to-one kind of visit, if that makes sense. You've all this kind of constant ream of people coming in on a schedule, in on a bus, back on a bus, back again, and it goes on however many days a week. So sometimes it kind of feels like a bit of a novelty. I don't know, when you go to these kind of places, like Kara said, there's so many other uh, spots all over the country that are just there could be like a dolmen in the middle of a field somewhere and you can just literally walk up to it walk around it and be the only person there And there's something really special about that to see these kind of sites and i always think with newgrange as well newgrange obviously it's a highly significant site super super important it really really is but it's almost like the mona lisa of uh mm. <laughs> the neolithic period if that makes sense where people are kind of like fixated on it in that respect um, and everything that kind of comes around it. Whereas I do, I, I do enjoy like finding random places like that in the middle of nowhere where, where and they're a bit more kind of um, broken down, a little bit decrepit, but they have that kind of authenticity about them, if that makes sense yeah. as well. 
you kind of miss that aspect of it when you have a site like that that on one hand yeah it's amazing it's protected and it's super important but it kind of takes away that kind of authenticity and kind of I don't know kind of personal aspect of it so what do you think kind of is I suppose like the future of Newgrange what like is there still stuff that we have to learn from it are we is it creating its own new history obviously like I was saying at the beginning the fact that they could pin they knew exactly where to put the window set like the amount of time and attention that would have had to be into that and I couldn't like I barely remember which way the sun rises like which direction it is so like what is what's it's why do we care why do we care why should we care do we think that there's um something that it will evolve into or will it just continue to be like a site where you can learn about 5,000 years ago life in Ireland like what they would have been doing and then kind of a few bits about like where people were able to like make their mark with the graffiti and kind of learning about how it was interacted with before it was protected. I suppose from my perspective anyway, it's it highlights how incredibly advanced they were in the Neolithic period. Like at that time, when you think back, the fact that it was done before the, the pyramids and before Stonehenge and that they had this such accuracy to kind of get this roof box uh, at the top and have the sun shine in directly into it in a perfect line to hit the back of the actual passage tomb. Like it, it's just mind blowing that they, like they could figure that out back then. Now, if we did it, it's all like technology would be our go-to to kind of figure all that out really yeah. to do it for us. But the, the fact that they were able to figure that out and essentially turn it into this somewhat of a calendar slash clock slash, I don't know, kind of a passage passageway to the other world but they, they were just so advanced back then and to I, I also don't think uh Ireland gets credit for how advanced we were <laughs> in uh all of our all of our uh, historical kind of significance uh, as well so like for me anyway it's that that will forever just kind of like blow my mind it was just how advanced the whole thing was and how complicated the whole thing was like you were saying Shannon like I'm the same. I can barely tell off from down some days. So like the fact that they're able to get something so accurate and for it to continue every single year as well across about those four days. Because I think everyone seems to think that uh, this only happens one day. Usually it happens across, I think, about four days in total every winter solstice um, to get to see that as well. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, like... One thing that my partner always says, like when I'm doing anything or looking at anything related to archaeology, he's like, oh, I can't believe they could do that. But I'm like, they had the same brain capacity that we had. They just had different technology. Yeah. Um, and I think like we have better technology and it's just reducing our brain capacity. Completely. But like, yeah, like in terms of anything like new to learn from it, like with archaeology, because there's no written records or anything it's like you kind of piece together the history like the past with like nuggets of information that you get throughout history to like form the narrative and form the story so like I think like as we continue to to learn more about the past and make new discoveries and stuff that it might place other things into context so there's always things to kind of to learn from it um so yeah I think we're so removed from like how they would have lived their lives back then. I mean, like we have our big cozy houses and all that. And like we have artificial light. But like, I mean, back 
like in the Neolithic time, 5,000 years ago, like a lot of, you would have to know like when the sun sets and when it like rises and and everything. So if it's the shortest day of the year, you'd definitely be taking note, like. Okay, I think, I mean, we covered everything that I had been thinking about. Is there anything that you'd be like remiss if we didn't say it or is there like any points that we didn't hit any questions I forgot to ask for either of you did really want to talk about the kind of more about the winter solstice and now in terms of how popular it remains now as we are in like 2021 and how significant because I know you you mentioned at the very beginning about the whole like lottery system that's a big thing when you visit the site basically you can enter your name as many times as you want which which is gas but basically what to do i think they reserved as uh, places for two people across those four days um so if you're picked from this kind of lottery two people go in and it's really strict rules as well i don't think you're allowed to give up your space to another person it has to be you that does it mm-hmm. and then there's a waiting list that comes up with that if they can't get in touch with that person or if they can't make it then it goes to another person it's a really highly sort after place you know to be inside the passage tomb when this actually happens as well what's interesting about it though like irish weather is very unpredictable we could have four seasons in one day so you could have one day where the weather's amazing and super clear and you'll get this perfect shining of light into the into the passage tomb and then the other days could be completely overcast and nothing really happens so it's like it's a lottery literally from from that perspective as well which i find i find really really interesting but People come from all over the world to, even if obviously they can't get into the, to the passage tomb on the day, but they come to be around the site to witness it. A lot of people find it very therapeutic, very meditative, just kind of this otherworldly experience. And I, I do find that side of it really interesting where you have people from literally all over the world, because you'll see it every year on RT News in particular, they do a live stream now of it happening too, which is mm-hmm. mad that there's a live stream of <laughs> Ukraine during the winter solstice. But you'll see just people from all over the world, from the furthest part of the world coming over here, County Mead, to look at this kind of really unusual, beautiful event happening. Like, And yeah. the fact that it still has that draw, no matter what, and will continue even beyond, beyond us, is it? at this point in time as well as it shows how important it is and I think it shows how important it is to continue to develop research and through archaeology or different elements like that and to kind of keep that narrative open as as much as you can and I think as well from my perspective as well it's to kind of highlight people to respect all of these sites as well these Mm all over the country whether it's something like that's super protected like Newgrange or those kind of your dolmens and things like that that are in a random field as well it's it's about kind of respecting those sites and looking after them and acknowledging the fact that they they have a huge significance and um to always kind of remember that as well I think is a big part of it too so just on like the whole like significant of it for people there was actually like roman coins like later roman coins found deposited at newgrange so like they they don't know why but they think it could have been like an offering so that like roman travelers were coming on and actually making like secondary offerings at this site so the site did like have a draw to it even in roman times up till today that people were coming to go see it um Mm. so yeah like a lot of people think that there was no romans in ireland but they they were here they just never conquered it but yeah they were they were at newgrange (laughs) this might be me getting a bit like 
inspirational or whatever but like I think a lot of people get down at this time of year because it's dark days shorter days like all of that but there was something in as we were talking earlier about like the renewal and maybe like the connection to the portal to the other world but but even just this guarantee of knowing that this was going to be the shortest day and days would get longer the crops would come back you'd have animals so you'd, you'd be hoping as you know as it all carries on that the the world will renew as it is meant to there you know people will be born people will die but on this day I suppose if you're one of those people who maybe gets down at this time of year like if you're thinking of Newgrange and the kind of the hope and the awe that it inspires instead and and just knowing that like the change of the season and the way that the the world work like literally the world works the earth and like I think maybe just connecting a bit more to like our our humanity and our our connected to to nature a bit more and then hope I don't know could be a bit more inspiring versus like just the dark days of the year I don't know if that's too meta but like as we were kind of talking that was just on the the front of my mind of just like it's actually kind of really inspiring that site like more so than just mm-hmm. what we have to learn from it but what how it yeah. can remind us to connect to the earth that we live on and and to know that better days are coming if the time of year tends to bring you down yeah no definitely like we don't know what their interpretation of like a lot of the art there is like ultimately but like that triscal symbol like the three concentric joining circles like has definitely been like reused reused for like life death rebirth and for a load of that so yeah no it is like definitely a really kind of like even if that's not their interpretation of um the triscal like it's definitely something you can associate with Newgrange in general and this type of year like it's life death rebirth so yeah there's definitely like a connection with that well thanks Ashling and Kara for coming on chatting with me about Newgrange winter solstice and just sharing your information and your knowledge thanks for being willing to test out this like new thing I know I said Shan uses her degree but it's mostly just me asking other people to use their degrees as well like (laughs) give us a chance to show that like we actually have a lot of important things to to say I think, you know, you'll think of Newgrange on the day. You'll think of this podcast on the day to all the listeners out there. Maybe you'll be inspired to come and visit and see the site in person. And uh, I suppose just, yeah, for all the listeners out there, if you like this, if you want Ashley and Kara to come back on again, just let me know. Because uh, this is something, this is like the stuff that I love. This is my background. And, you know, I can talk about... <laughs> the weird things Irish people do as compared to the weird things Americans do. Like I could do that all day, but like to be able to share this and Ashling and Cara to be able to share it with you has been so nice. So thanks. Thank you. I really appreciate you inviting both of us on to talk. So it was really fun actually. Yeah, definitely from my side as well. Like since we haven't, we've like made a move online and stuff with work and things like that over the last year and a bit with COVID, like it's always nice to be able to actually like, it's like, just like talk about these things with other people and you're not just like at home alone with the computer and things so yeah no I really enjoyed it so that was the first Shan uses her degree episode the tester I suppose if you will and it's like the bonus bonus episode of season one uh to round out 2021 if you liked it let me know as always share it out with your friends And just know that season two is coming sooner than you think. 
Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll chat soon. Bye.